Welcome to the Angelscapes podcast, where you're encouraged to uncover and develop a direct connection with your soul's power, wisdom, and spiritual intuition that is ready to blossom. We'll explore new ideas, compelling tips, and real steps to help you learn simple spiritual practices. We're a safe place to learn more about accessing your soul's power with education and spiritual wholeness that could bring more clarity to your life. Now here's your host, a practicing medium, Akashic Records practitioner, spirit artist, coach, and mentor, Dr. Reverend Nancy Smith. So how do you live again after the aftermath of violence? Where do you go when life no longer makes sense? Hello, this is Angelscapes, and I'm your host, Nancy Smith. In this episode, I will talk to you about recovering um, your life after violence from a spiritual perspective. I will present steps to help manage the impossible emotions of grief, anger, and fear. And I will discuss spirit-guided ideas on how you can implement a spiritual practice when it feels like God has left you alone. This is a very big topic, and it's a topic close to my heart. Um, right now, we, we see a lot of um, things on the news, and we many people are experiencing um, uncalled for violence in their lives, and sometimes um, they are experiencing loss of life. And my circle of friends and loved ones recently lost someone to murder. And um, a few weeks ago, my daughter texted me, and she says, Mom, my friend is in the news. And it's really bad. What can I do? Um, and what's going on? And so I, I went online because um, the news was only online. It wasn't, you know, broadcasted. And so we we researched together. There wasn't a lot of information, but we knew three people were found um, dead in a, in a house. Um, and um, her friend was in that house. She was five months pregnant, and her, the father of the baby, and her stepson were there. Oh, and her septum son was six years old, and the um, her partner had just won custody of this little boy, and it was a big mystery as to what happened, why it happened, and what was going on. And clearly, um, after a while, you're waiting for the details, waiting and waiting to um, get answers. You know what happened, who's there, why did this happen, what's the circumstances, and no answers really came forward. It just slowly details showed up. And this woman, um, beautiful woman, had gone through a divorce years ago and moved out to Phoenix, Arizona to start her life over again, which she did. She bought a house and she um, met a guy and they were going to get married and they were going to start a family together. And he had just one custody of his little guy. So it's going to be a beautiful little family, except something was wrong. And she wasn't saying much to the people around her in the community, but she was calling her friends over and over again, in, back here in Massachusetts, um, they, they, everyone, all these group of friends went to high school together. And as uh, she was calling them, she said, what do I do? How can I, how can I manage through this? Well, maybe I should leave him. And her friends were setting up a home or a space for her to leave Arizona and, and move back to Massachusetts and they could raise their kids together. And it was just kind of um, an abuse um, situation. There was something wrong with him. There was something wrong with his thinking. Something um, wasn't quite spot on. And 
you know, we talk about battered women, we talk about violence and domestic violence and mental illness and all kinds of things. And then this was one of those cases that just went awry. Um, and as she was talking to one of her friends, and it was the Massachusetts people that called Arizona for a wellness check saying something's wrong. And it was the police that found them because of the call from Massachusetts, where she had only trusted a certain amount of friends who were far, far away. In any event, um, he had uh, shown up at the house kind of drunk and um, and she had the phone disconnected and and that was that. So that's the story. What what happened was a lot of horrible things. And what came from that were a lot of unanswered questions. But the the shock of it, the senseless loss left all of us with a sense, uh, sense of hopelessness, a huge sense of fear, um, shock, anger, and deep, deep grief that changed everyone's life. That just put everyone into a place of, if this is what happens in life, what's next? Or where, where's my life going? Um, I can't even begin to tell you how everyone went through it. I can only tell you how I went through it, where I reached a place of deep darkness within myself. Um, listening to my daughter and her grief and her shock and her frustration explain to me what she was going through. And, and as her friends tried to understand it, and then they researched battered women and they researched, you know, breaking up is the most dangerous time when you're in a um, unstable situation. And all these things just, I never wanted my daughter and her friends to ever have to face anything like that. It's something that I'd always wanted to protect them from. But, you know, that's impossible to do. Apparently that's just, just not through. But the dark place that I went to was this grief, the shock, this anger, this helplessness. I built a wall around myself. I wanted to protect myself. And I and as I built that wall up, I, I shielded myself from even the thing that I needed the most. My emotions and reactions um, kind of walled myself off, even from the love and the compassion from my soul and from God. I, I really fell into a dark place for, for a bit of time. Um, when we lose a loved one through murder, or self-abuse, suicide, or a drug overdose, or even if it's a, it's just a weird illness that just takes over, you know, something like cancer, and for no reason just wipes somebody out. It's a, we feel the senselessness of the loss. We feel overwhelmed with um, what is the meaning of life? And if this is what happens in life, why am I here? Why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I in the, um, you know, what's my next step? And um, I think that I watched her friends. I talked to her friends. We did some energy healing work. We did some connection work to spirit. And the sense that I got in working with them is neither, none of them, including me, knew where the next step was, knew wh how, how to make sense out of life, what is normal. And um, so I want to talk to you about that a little bit more. Um, I had to, um, in my dark place, in, in my place of frustration, I felt like I couldn't stay in that place and I couldn't get myself out of it. And I'm sure, you know, this isn't my daughter that this happened to, but this was still impacting me. And I can only imagine how it was impacting so many people, so many people. One, one person has an act of violence. One person victimizes another person, but it continues to ripple out to hundreds and hundreds of people. So as we think that we're 
if somebody thinks that they're hurting one person or one incident, it's, it's really, it's the whole community. It, it's all because we're all connected. And, and that seems like such a big grandiose statement, but it's never one person, even though we say it's just that one person that could hurt. It's never, it's their loved ones. It's their friends. It's, it's the people that they've been getting Starbucks coffee from it's, it ripples out. And, um, and then that ripple goes out and it impacts people. So they begin having emotions and reactions and wall off. Maybe they're walling off God the same way that I did. Um, so I had to reach out. I had to find a place outside of myself that could support me to travel on to another state of mind, to another um, place of being, and as did everyone else in the group. And I um, reached out to a number of ministers. I'm a minister, Reverend, as well, and to see how they handled things in their lives. So what they thought, what were their skills, what were their understandings. Um, one minister said, ground yourself, make sure you ground yourself every moment, even go outside, take your shoes off and stand in that cold, wet grass. It was kind of cold then. And um, feel your feet, feel yourself back in your body, which I really appreciated that because I feel like I, I wasn't home anymore. And I also, as I talked to my daughter and I talked to her friends, they weren't home anymore either. And then I talked to another minister who specializes in uh, domestic violence, in particular women. And um, she gave me the number to talk to somebody who um, does domestic violence homicide. And so I was able to talk to somebody who had some skills, who had some understanding um, about the shock that we go through. And I talked to her about how my daughter and her friends, including myself, where do you, how do you make sense out of life after this? How do you move forward? And um, it was a great, great conversation. And I want to tell you right now, the Mass Mental Health Emergency number is 988. It's just like 911, just 988 right on your phone. Um, and if you if you have a mental health emergency, or you could dial in at 833-773-2445. Those are uh, important numbers. Um, write them down, look them up, and have them handy if you need them, because we're all going through some heavy-duty stuff um, these days and challenging our own mental health, our own emotions. So let's get back to me trying to find my way. How do I support my daughter? How do I support her friends? Um, and how, you know, as I invited them over for Reiki treatments and and um, and spiritual connections, I felt uh, a little bit like I was a phony because I was so affected by this. So as again, I was talking to the ministers, collected my friends, and um, at the same time that this was happening, there were two mass shootings. And one of the mass shootings was the Nashville um, school shooter who um, you know, broke into the door, crashed open that door, broke the glass and, and went in and started randomly shooting in a Nashville school. And this was a, um, a planned crime. It was planned. They said they took place over a period of months. And the victims were Evelyn Dykos, William Kinney and Hallie Scruggs. They were the nine-year-olds. They were the children. They were killed um, in, in a massacre, as well as the school custodian, Mike Hill, who's 61, the substitute teacher, Cynthia Peak, 61, and Catherine Kuntz, 60, who was the head of the school. I want to say their names out loud because these are people who have many ripples out that impacted the community. It impacted all of us throughout the country, throughout the world. So let me get back to 
to my um, my story, which was also eventually on the news. You can you can look at um, the Phoenix, Arizona murder in in early April. Um, so in in the meantime, I was watching this the newscasts of this massacre, and a reporter found a minister on the scene of the murders and asked him, "Sir, so tomorrow is Sunday." what are you going to say to all of these grieving people? And I watched the look on the minister's face, which he was just as grief stricken and overwhelmed as shocked as everyone else. And, and he kind of shook it off. He said, well, I'm not sure yet. I have to work on that. So I still have to work on that. And I, my heart went out to him because I felt like, gosh, that's kind of where I am. And I need to work on this. I'm stuck within my own world and I need to get out of my world. I've made a commitment in my life to, to not just wallow in my own world. So what can I do? And I, pray, I I just said, well, I've got to start praying. I really got to start reaching out to spirit. And I, I sat down quietly and I said, what do I say, guys? How do I look at this? What do I think about this? How do I place this? How could I tell myself and, and tell other people stuff that's actually, actually real? And then, um, of course, nothing came out because I was trying so hard and I just walked away and I started work on some projects and eventually I felt a you know spirit coming through I, I felt like a picture um a series of how I see things in pictures clairvoyantly but I also heard a voice I heard a series of of words and thoughts that came through to me and I want to share them with you because they thought they were very poignant and very helpful and I feel that some of the things that I said has have been helping people quite a bit um in this in this my small little world um so um, I had to really dig, dig past my disconnect from source because I had to recognize that if this happens, if this kind of things happens on this planet in humanity, where is God? God, you know, God doesn't kill people. People kill people. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. But where is God in all of this? And that was one of the deep, deep questions that I think we were all asking. So the first, one of the first things that spirit brought to me was the perspective of the murderer. I didn't, I didn't want to see the perpetrator's thoughts or minds or anything, but, but for some reason, spirit brought me to this place of, of seeing from the murderer's perspective. And what I saw was that same wall that I put my up to protect myself between me. And then turns out I was blocking out God. He had done the same thing. And the, in the insanity of the moment, he had a pressure of deep reactionary emotions that talked louder to him than his own life force. Have you ever had that experience where emotions and reactions talk louder to you than your own well-being, your own sense of balance in life? You know, we all have had that. We've all flown off the handle, but we can get lost. And mentally ill people or people who knows who have really dug a deep, deep hole of, of anger and, and frustration and repression can can totally lose sight uh, of um, of the God source or the source within, uh, whether you go to church or not. We we all have a connection of that God source within. And if you don't have it, let's talk about how to get it back. He was not accessible to any. He, he could not access any part of compassion or sanity. He acted outside of life. That was what Spirit was showing me of a person acting outside of life, outside of any kind of flow of well-being or growth or learning or love or anything like that. And um, he was very in a very, very dark place, which seems obvious. 
but as they showed me how the walls got built, um, and then um, and then there, it was a no-brainer that he, well, it wasn't a no-brainer, but he made a series of choices based on his disconnection. And this is an important message that we'll get back to that in a minute. So then um, the spirit showed me him standing stunned above his, his own self, his own body, his own um, ruined body and, and the ruined body of, of his loved ones. And since he was no longer in that crazy pain, he was now outside of his body. He was stunned. And as he looked at what had happened, he said, what did I just do? And then, then the vision just kind of ended there. And the, the wisdom that slowly came to me was don't let yourself be inaccessible to your own life force, to spirit or God, um, because of what somebody else did or because what of something that because of something that happened to you or because you don't understand something or because the belief system's been shot down life is safe and all of a sudden life is not safe um the don't let yourself be be disconnected from your own life force from the god source our first reaction is to walls up protect and nothing is safe not even our well-being so your grief and your anger and fear are talking to you louder than anything else in your life. When something horrible happens, when a violent thing happens or something that it, it life-changing negative thing happens. And I, I have listened to um, David Kessler in many, many talks. He's a, an amazing um, grief coach. And he has this book, um, The Sixth Step of, of, of Grief or Sixth Step of Anger was called Finding the Meaning in Grief. And um it's a great it's a great read. I listened to it um, not that long ago, and and in this book there's a story where he's he's counseling and talking to a woman who is devastated from the loss of her son, and and the woman reached out to him. She says, "When am I going to ever feel like I want to live again? When am I going to ever feel normal? When is life going to be life again? How long is this going to go on?" And he and he took her in his hand and he said something I never would have thought of. He said, how long is your son going to be dead for? And, and bringing, as in, you, this new life is creating a new normal. And um, this is going to be a journey. And, he, and what he was doing was embracing the reality of the grief, not denying the grief, but creating a pathway out of the grief that this situation that is paining you so much is something that you you will eventually learn to live with and learn to find life and into the, the final um, stepping into how to make meaning in your life from, from something that's meaningless. It's that, that, that it's not even something that you can understand. So I'm going to come back to that. I'll talk to the, that just a tiny bit because I think what he said in in that moment changed how I looked at grief. I had looked at grief as we're going to get past this. We're going to figure it out. We're going to get back to a happy life. It's going to be back to normal. And here was somebody giving permission to this woman. David gave permission to this woman to say, life will never be normal again, but you will be okay with this in time. You'll, fi you'll figure it out. Um, when our community gets unbound or, or, just pulled apart because of somebody else's insanity and actions 
it's um, important for us to to dig down inside of us ourselves and take a look at how we've been living our lives or what is meaningful to us in our lives and what have we been sliding by and and not accepting i I know so many people have near-death experiences and they come back and they really embrace life these are the things in life that are so important that i wasn't paying attention to so sometimes that can happen and also, but you know, sometimes that doesn't happen. And sometimes it's like, this has no meaning. This, is, this isn't worth it. This life is just not worth it. I can't fight this. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to do with this. So I want to talk about the emotions that happen when these overwhelming things happen to us, these overwhelming losses, especially when it's at somebody else's hand. Um, there's three emotions that there's many emotions, but there's three emotions that I worked with spirit on and really feeling like here's the feels like right in that moment with losing with losing Sarah the way she we lost her was grief and anger and fear and I'm sure there was a ton more there was helplessness there was hopelessness there was despair but I just wanted to focus on the three emotions the grief is real um grief surrounds us in a loss and it, that asks us um how do I make my way forward in my life now Grief and loss change the meaning of life for us. And I want to embrace that. I want to just admit that nothing is the same. We must find new meaning in life. And for a time, we are not able to find that meaning. So we hover in life. We exist until we can gently make our way to the next step with grief. Grief doesn't end, but its meaning and message can change. And you can learn and grow as new meanings in life begin to grow. It's a very painful process. It's a very slow process. And it's a process where you, it's very difficult to do it alone. Um, so grief also asks us to isolate, to keep ourselves safe. But the isolation doesn't keep us safe. Grief is like a forest fire that consumes everything in its path. Not everything is consumed, however. I have to say, we feel like everything is lost. But I have to tell you right now, not everything is lost. And I'll tell you what to look for. Um, the seeds of life, the seeds of life within ourselves can't be burned away. They're, they're infinite. Um, they don't get destroyed. They may go underneath. We might, we might have to look for them. I want to um, make an example, like, you know, the seeds, the great sequoias, you know, the great sequoias, the big giant trees out west. Um, they have these tiny pine cones. And in order for those pine cones to open so that they, they can germinate, they have to endure hot, deep forest fires. And if you look at the sequoia trees, their, um, their bark is just incredibly thick. And, and very moist. And the trees were designed to survive massive forest fires. When you go into the sequoia forest, there are trees, many of them are burnt. You go up you know, six feet and they're just burnt and scarred from all the burns. And yet next to them is new life because that's the only way that, that these seeds can germinate. And to me, that was such a, a important um, allegory or sim symbolism of how life can be reborn. And so in these times of grief, I think of the, the forest fires that just eat everything up. Why do fires have to happen? I don't know. Why is that it's, we are made, the planet or our lives are made out of elements of fire, wind, earth, water, air. We need all these things to live. And yet um, all of these things ensure that we won't live if, if they're out of balance in our lives. Our lives are, we have a beginning and middle and end of all of our lives. And 
as we hold on to life and we believe that, oh, you know, I'm just going to live forever. We're not going to live forever. And there is a part of grief that tells us and reminds us that there is more to life than what we want or what we're holding on to outside of ourselves. So we always have that life within us, even though we feel our life's destroyed. And as you move forward, that strong seed within yourself will begin to take root and begin to grow over a period of time. So even as you feel like you're hovering through life and you're not sure how to get through, keep breathing, keep getting up in the morning, keep eating and keep moving, keep moving and moving and don't isolate yourself, even though you're not quite feeling any reason for moving forward. Don't believe the grief, the message of the grief that life is over. Instead, begin to focus on there is a, a tiny little life within myself that because I've loved, because I've been in so many different places and because I'm alive, I am here to learn and grow. I don't know if you're going to feel that right now or I, we're talking about these things. It took me a while, a few, I mean, this is, it really took a lot of focus for me to decide. I've had other griefs in my life, losing my parents or, um, a lot of other things that where I just said, I don't know how to rebuild from here. I do not know how to go from here. And I just had to wait it out. And so I'm inviting you to wait it out, to reach out to people who will hear you, who will listen to you, and to fill yourself with thoughts and ideas that remind you that there is, even if it's tiny, a little life within yourself. And as a medium, I can tell you, um, and I want to tell you a little bit about this, um, the spirit continues on forever um no matter what anyone does or no matter what life does to us we will our spirit uh, maybe our human body won't last forever but our spirit does in infinity so as i was speaking to some of sarah's friends as they came over um i wasn't expecting to do any kind of mediumship i wasn't i just felt like it wasn't going to happen i knew too much about her as well and there was nothing I could bring forward, you know, that was me making up my mind. There was nothing I could really bring forward that was going to help the situation. And as we talked, right, right here on my right side, I felt this glow. It was like this yellow glow with, with orange around it. I don't, it was very warm and very beautiful. And um, it was per, very pervasive. And as we had the conversation, I felt like I could just add things into the conversation that I didn't know before. And I realized it was Sarah talking to me and she wanted to talk to her girlfriends like the way she always talked to them, giving them advice or listening to them or um, saying, you know, this is this and that's that. And, and they were recognizing Sarah as I had that beautiful conversation coming from her. She was very strong. She was very beautiful. She was not stuck in the bardo because, because of this horrible way that she passed, she was in the arms of God and she was, um, with her child and she was with the little boy and where I couldn't prove any of that in by describing him because nobody knew, but I could show them that her personality was still there and her care and her concern was real. And that spoke to the grief in volumes and surprised that out of me. Cause again, I wasn't trying, I wasn't expecting it. And, um, when we're in this deep grief, it, it's often hard to hear spirit, whether it's the surviving spirit from the loved one that just passed, or it, it's our guardian angels, or if it's our source or our spirit guides. 
It's really hard to have a conversation with them when our life, the rug has been ripped out from underneath us. So grief is real. Give it time and be patient. And then many families sometimes come to me and one person is having a dream about dad who just died and the other one's got nothing going on. And they think, well, dad must have loved her more than me. And I think it's we all grieve differently. And our deep emotions can kind of stop our psychic abilities or they can block them, not on purpose, not that we've done anything wrong, but we're dealing with our own emotions. We're dealing with our own humanities where other people kind of just, they're out of their bodies and they're looking for spirit. And so um, maybe they hear spirit more, their dreams more. We're all different. There's nothing that you're better than or worse than, or somebody's, I don't, you know, he, she, he, she doesn't love me or I'm not good nothing to do with that it has to do with your own personal process with grief and in that grief is a state of grace where god is present where spirit is present where source is present where whether you feel them or not and you can um reach out to them you can remember simply by remembering that you have a seed of life deep within you and that's precious and that's valuable and that's important so the next big emotion I want to step into is anger. Anger can blind us. And there's a saying that revenge is a dish best eaten cold. And there's a lot of truth in that. Anger is an emotion that tells us many lies and inconsistencies. Anger feeds the raging forest fire of the grief. Anger is what blinded the perpetrator. Remember, he, he was just angry and felt all these selfish thoughts or all these crazy thoughts and so what we want to do here um, is decide that you're not going to become another victim in anybody's drama of destruction even your own so sometimes you just have to sit with the anger um, and bring your anger to god even though you're not really happy with god right now or or source or angels and you feel like well where were you why didn't you protect me well sometimes we have to just kind of set that aside for a moment and say i need your help right now God can take the anger. God can understand it. And uh, the, our higher powers can will embrace us as we bring our anger to, to the higher sources. So in a sense, be still, be in your anger, but be still. Don't take action on your anger just for now. And allow your anger to find its balance. Anger... Um, may turn into rage. Rage is the most powerful force within humanity. I think it's love because love is a very powerful force, but rage moves mountains. Um, so they say faith moves mountains, but you get if somebody who has faith in a, in a, in a truck full of rage, you're, you're going to get that mountain moved a lot faster than you thought. Um, rage combined with love and compassion can clear the forest and bring it back to life. Let's just play with sit that with that for a moment. So your anger is out of control. You you cannot harness the force of the anger, and it's not telling you the truth. But if you sit with it and allow it to process and don't take any action on that anger, it will shift to a a, a power that you can begin to harness. Mothers Against Drug Drivers is one of an amazing um, source of bringing anger to rage to meaning so i don't want to make rage back but i bad but i want to say that the rage untethered to compassion and a higher power can be very destructive 
but tethering it to a compassion and understanding that there is a higher being, there is a higher essence to all of this. You can um, become creative with these emotions and you can begin to change, make change in the world, be a change maker, or at least begin to change within yourself to bring meaning and life back to yourself, aligning yourself and your anger and rage to your divinity and to God can create amazing results. So that's why you want to just sit with the anger and let it mature, let, let it balance, bring yourself into balance, calm yourself and sit until you are clear. Don't take action just for now. Be in the grace of God. You may feel a sense of righteousness and I have to bring this into balance and I have to do this. And, and sometimes the anger can do, turn inward. And you can, um, if you're having... And I, and I watch people with, in these stages where they have trouble with, you know, drinking a lot or eating a lot or, 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 or gambling or whatever else. They'll take their anger out on their worst possible um, habits or hobbies, and uh, they can begin to self-sabotage themselves or they can become ill, um, you know, illness, you know, I can't sleep, I can't eat, I can't, you know, a lot of things can happen. So we want to sit with the anger, not deny it, but not act on it either. You don't want it to pull you into a place where you can't come back from. You don't want to be another victim in somebody else's drama. So you got to um, really move towards the grace of God with the anger. Don't deny it, but don't give it the wheel. Don't give it the keys to the car. Um, the next emotion that I saw was fear. Um, and fear also will tell you lies. You aren't safe. You're not strong. You got to isolate yourself. And you got to isolate yourself from other people. And I and I did notice a trend in some of the young women um, in uh, in in the group where they wanted to just you know break up with their partners or or, or not trust anybody uh, you know so that the lack of trust was there so it was breaking down relationships that they were isolating from other people until they got back into balance a little bit. So fear isolates us from one another and we blame others and we're not, we don't trust them. And we think if, if this person did that, then you must do that. Or kind of, you know, we start to make rules. We try, try to make associations. We try to connect the dots. And it's usually not accurate because fear is telling you lies. Fear distrusts, but love can conquer fear. Love is the antidote to fear. If we feed the love in our hearts, the fear will diminish and the love and the positivity in life will just start to grow, just start to get a little bigger, a little bigger. But if you feed the fear, you will freeze in your tracks. You're not going to be able to move forward in your life. Fear is not a good life companion. Although we all have fear and anxiety with us. I don't know anyone who doesn't. Fear that builds from an act of violence or an act of huge destruction doesn't take you anywhere. But it will help you to grow and learn if you face it for what it is. And again, don't give it the keys to the car. Don't give it the keys to the car. So, so for now, we have these three emotions. They're there. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be your companions for a while. So imagine that you're sitting at a table. This is a table of your life. And there they are. You know, they're eating all the food in your refrigerator. And you, and you have grief, fear, anger, and maybe a few others. And you're going to have to sit for a while with them at your table, invite grief and anger and fear right there and say, okay, I got, we got the spaghetti, let's go for it. And then you feed them 
love, you nurture them with patience, and you heal them with divine compassion. And this is the part I feel like spirit was really trying to get through to me or trying to say in a, in a way that it's kind of a new way of thinking about this or a different way of thinking about this. You accept the horror of it. You accept the grief. You accept the helplessness and all these feelings. You don't give them the keys to the car. You don't give in to them, but it doesn't mean you suppress them. You just invite them in to your life and say, what are you telling me now? And um, sometimes they're just saying I'm hurting and we just have to hurt because we're human. And if you give it enough time without suppressing them, without judging those emotions and those feelings, they will begin to heal and transform your life. They will begin to show you their higher essence or their higher message or their higher learning. They're not going to destroy you. They're not going to abandon you in a helpless situation if you feed and nurture them with proper positive I don't know what can be positive thinking and sometimes in these situations, but patience and compassion. I know you're feeling this way. Don't hurt yourself from it and don't hurt somebody else from it. Just so I know you're feeling this way. I accept and I surrender to that I'm feeling this way. However, we're not going to take negative actions based on that because we're going to look for that life force within us and we're going to align ourselves with that life force and in it, within us. And you ask the anger, you ask the rage and the, and the grief and the fear to align themselves with the life force within you. Very difficult to do, but very needed um, so that they can transform and they can be a strength to you instead of a depletion. Um, I'm not saying this is easy, but I'm saying that this is real and this does happen and it takes time. I, at, one of the things that I, in reading um, some grief stuff from David Kessler and other places, grief doesn't heal in a year. Sometimes the second year is the worst year. And sometimes the third year is the, year one is numb. Year two is painful. Year three is I still can't make any sense of that. And then finally year five, you've seen, you can look back and see the growth and see the strength and see the steps that you've taken and be, and be amazed. And that's when you know, some meaning and some change can happen. So when I say be patient with yourself, I'm not saying give it two weeks. I'm saying stick with it. And as a community, if we can um, face these emotions and, and work with them and allow them to grow, maybe we'll make different decisions in how we want to be in our community or how we want our community to work. And maybe we're going to be able to say, you know, I, I, um, I'm not putting up with this. I got something to say about this. Who knows what will what the wisdom will come out of by sitting with these true emotions and these true experiences where you'll find strength within yourself to say, none of that, and here's how we're going to do it. Do you see what I'm saying? If we deny these emotions and these feelings, we're not going to have the strength nor the wisdom, and nor will we stand up to say, I've had enough of this in a clear way that actually changes, changes the world, changes things. So Another topic in this in situations, there is, there is such a thing as divine timing. And it seems impossible that divine timing played any part in acts of violence, especially the one with Sarah or the ones that we lived through. How could this be? There's no divine timing for shooting a baby or killing his kid. This, this doesn't make sense. But God was not gone from this crime. God was shut out. We have a free will and divine timing is on our side. It's on your side. We can't see the entire picture yet, 
um, it's there's this you know biblical quote that says for for we see life dimly through a clouded mirror, in Ephesians or something like that, and um, and it's true if you could accept through all of your emotions and the griefs and the anger that God screwed up and now they're dead or or now they're starving or now there was this or that God because God screwed up God didn't necessarily screwed up. Like I said before, guns don't kill people. God doesn't kill people. People make bad choices and people commit violent acts. And But God is there, source is there, the infinite um, life source of, um, that created us from love and when we return to love is still there, waiting to be remembered, waiting to be heard, waiting to be embraced. And there is a tremendous amount of respect from your guides, from your higher self, understanding they have compassion for what you're going through, what you're learning, and what you're trying to embrace. So God is not a passive bystander as we use our free will. We are learning to use our divine gifts of free will and choice. Human life is not cheap, but it does have a beginning, a middle, and an end. We all die, but our souls and our spirits are eternal. And this is a paradox sometimes because as we are alive, we want to embrace life and we're fully alive and we can't imagine the end of our lives. It just doesn't make sense because that's not how it works. But there is divine timing while we are living. There is a time where things will, life will take hold again and you will live into the answer if you keep getting up, keep walking, putting one foot in, the front, in front of each other keep eating as much, you know, and keep, and keep breathing and keep embracing life as best you can. Our relationship to the higher power, to source, isn't convenient at all. Our relationship to our higher self asks us to go, go beyond what's impossible, to go beyond what we see in front of us as being real, to see beyond it, to see outside of it. And when we have a violent um ending to something it's really hard to see beyond that violence and that ending and god will patiently surround you in a state of grace until you can begin to see there's something more beyond that and that's what divine timing is about for me to continue and let the divine um keep working with you so they could see the other side you can see the understanding sometimes our souls are here um, i don't ever want to say we are designed and there's a plan for children to be destroyed or, or, or these violent acts to happen. There's always a choice for them not to happen. But sometimes we are here in this world to understand the difference between living in violence and despair and without a source connection versus living connected to source. If you look at nature, you know, nature's pretty violent. You know, um, those uh, bugs eat bugs or or animals and tigers and lions and droughts and starvation. Hey, nature's pretty rough, but the life source is always there. So, so sometimes we um, need to grab hold of that life source and live in alignment with how life and nature are flowing and really look to that inner sense of source um, so that we can move on. and begin to connect in a deeper way 
or connect into that flow of life so that you could feel that eternal spring of life flowing through you and you can begin to surrender to what life is really about. And this is one thing that um, violence can show us is that life isn't permanent and, and you can't depend on how you've created your life or how you've created the world around you to stand for you if it's not created in, re in the reality of, of how life works or how God works. Um, I think that's a big conversation for another time. But I want to say to you, the relationship with the higher source isn't convenient, is what I'm trying to say. And it's time to become adamant advocates for not shutting God out of your life at time at this time, for not shutting that higher power, that higher thinking, or that higher spiritual action out of your life. You may not know what to do with it. You may not know what your relationship with source is. Again, sit for a time empty and quiet as you begin to feel your feet again, ground yourself as you begin to look around you, life's gonna look very different. Life's gonna feel very different. There's, there's a new normal on its way, but it is not here now. So I have to ask you, what are you choosing in this moment? And what are your choices built on? What are your choices, what haven't been built on throughout your life? Um, is, is it based on um, belief systems that you really need to defend that maybe aren't so solid? Is it um, based on anger? Is it based on insecurities and anxieties? So in this moment, if you take stock into what you're basing your choices on life and what's talking to you, maybe there's some clearing out that you need to do about um, what you believe to be true and what you want to see because you don't want to see anything else and start to see what's really around you. Um, and because tomorrow's choices are going to be based on what you're thinking about right now. So what are you building? What is, what are you building on what you're choosing today? And what is it going to look like tomorrow? Is it based in truth? Is it based in a, a sense of well-being? And, a, and is, is it based in the life force energy as it really is? Or is it based on something else? Um, this is this is where I think violence can bring us in, and loss and death can bring us to. What am I thinking about this? How am I engaging with life? How am I engaging with my own spiritual self? And what am I defending? Is and if what am I defending doesn't hold water, is it real? And as you celebrate life, the life of the one you lost, because I want you um, to look at the people that you've lost in your life, or the or the things that you've lost, or the, or the dreams that you've lost. And remember what they gave to you. Remember how they, re, the fun, the laughter, the stories, the, the drunken nights, you know, the, with the, all the stories that the, um, the kids were telling themselves when they finally came together. Do you remember the time we did this? And oh, wasn't this funny? And she was always that. And celebrating that life as you celebrate the other person's life, remember to celebrate your own life. And that's going to help you find your spark of life within yourself in time, not tomorrow, not in three weeks, not in, not in a couple of days, your loved one will want that for you. And I know it's hard when you're at that loss to say, they want me to be happy because I don't know how to be happy. And I'm not sure this is real. And I kind of think that's uh, not a real thing to say, or it's not something that could really help me, but your loved ones will want you to remember and celebrate your life because then you can 
remember them in spirit or you can begin to connect with them in spirit and they really want that they really want spirit to spirit connection so the one of the ways through grief is that spirit connection when we embrace love when we become able to feel our loved ones in spirit we are able to see life as it is intended to be we can create new life where life was taken away so don't let anyone or anything take your life or your spirit away it's yours hold on to it you may need to very tenderly nurture it in a new way in a new kind of living in a new kind of perception but you got this you can do it and it's going to take time it's going to take patience and courage and that is what spirit was talking to me um, and giving me guidance on how to help myself and my loved ones work through the loss of the, from the violence. And I wanted to share this with you because I think we're all going through it um, on some level. So I'm gonna kind of ask you to give it a shot, give it a try. And I wanna take it one, two seconds to look at, um, I see, I just wanna say hello to everyone who's been listening to Rick and Susan and Kim and Christine and and, and Mary, Lauren, Bernie, Michael, all the, I'm so glad you guys are listening to me. This is a very difficult topic and I'm probably going to turn around and come back to it one more time because it's, it's, it's going on continuously um, in our lives. But I want to remind you about um, your spirit and the love of your spirit. And when you love your spirit, you can connect to other spirits. And that's probably the biggest message. Um, and So blessings to you and, and thank you for listening. And I hope that this helps you and takes you to where you need to go in this time. And we'll talk later. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining the Angelscapes podcast. We hope you've gained new insights and inspiration for your journey to uncover and access your soul's power. For more information and a deeper dive into finding clarity in your life, Go to angelscapes.com. Remember to subscribe so you can be part of the discussion. It may just change your life. See you next time.